This is Warning Radio with Dr. Jonathan Hansen, founder and president of World Ministries International, a non-denominational end times ministry dedicated to fulfilling a divine commission to trumpet forth warnings from God concerning the imminent second coming of Christ and the impending judgment of God upon the ungodly. God has sent Dr. Hansen to many nations of the world with a solemn warning to the political and religious leaders and citizenry to repent of their sinfulness and wickedness or face the catastrophic judgments that will soon be unleashed upon the unbelieving world. Listen now to the warnings of our compassionate and merciful Creator conveyed through His faithful prophetic spokesman, the host of Warning Radio, Dr. Jonathan Hansen. Welcome to the radio program Warning with Dr. Jonathan Hansen, founder and president, World Ministries International and Eagle Saving Nations. This message is a recording of the WMI staff and families meeting for their Sabbath observance at a home fellowship, and Dr. E.J. Buckhart was sharing the message. This was recorded October 4, 2008, as Dr. Hansen was leading a team abroad. Today's message is, We are living in desperate times. The church in America faces tyranny. Now, let us begin. I received David Wilkerson's newsletter, knowing what's happening now, and I've got two letters here from a Dr. Jonathan Hansen. One calls, We Are Living in Desperate Times. The other one's called, The Church in America Face Tyranny. This one here, Pastor Wilkerson, and it talks about the fresh outpouring of the Holy Spirit, but he's also talking about the same. But the letter that came with it goes to Psalms 93.3. It says, The floods have lifted up, O Lord. The floods have lifted up their voice. The floods lift up their waves. David goes on to say that the flood represents rising waters of affliction, the overcoming crises that are coming upon the earth, affecting multitudes. There was a flood of unemployment, housing nightmares, ever-growing financial difficulties. And now we face a great flood of fear and confusion about what to do to survive the storm. But we sang a song which says that we will have the victory. Okay? So in light of everything I'm saying, in light of all this stuff, it's not doom and gloom unless you're a non-believer. Remember in the last Bible school we had, we talked about, you know, be the watchman, and the Lord comes like a thief in the night. That's only to those that don't know that He's coming. <laughs> and it will be a sudden shock. But if we either know it, we should not be surprised, we should be looking forward to it. And so anything that's going to take place at that time, the Scripture says, should not throw us off kilter, because we know He's coming. Now David goes on to say that, walking down the street, he says, tears come to my heart. Because a single mother will come up to me and say, Pastor, what am I going to do? I lost my job. I lost my apartment. And I have nothing to live on. Where will I go? This top-level executive is being laid off with no warning. Boss comes in, says, bye, you're gone. Workers tell me they see bosses crying at their desk. Now, this is he lives in New York City. Asking, what will I do? I'm broke. What about my mortgage? I have no benefits. And we heard this in Texas. People are going back to work because they lost their pensions. It's already happening. I get calls from someone who are soon to lose everything. He says, you know, I can't give them a pep talk or give them a few scriptures for to cheer them up. It's very difficult because the flood is coming. So here's what I was led to do by the Holy Spirit. 
And I asked it of my family and all of those who work in the church body. This is his people. What do we do? How do we prepare? Because there's no real easy answer to any of these questions. He says, I urge you to pray to see if the Lord is leading you to do the same. Now, be careful. He says, I'm asking you to ask the Lord to guide you to what you do. Now, the Lord says him, this is what I want you to do. And as you well know, he knows in his prophecies, his book, that New York City is going to burn. And he is living in the heart of New York City. People say, why don't you get out? He says, because the Lord hasn't told me to leave. He told me to stay. And it's going to be a revival when something happens. They're going to have to turn. Because what happens when 9-11 hit, people say, God, God, where are you? Help me, help me, bless us. Well, so when something happens, they're going to need to turn. Who are they going to turn to except those who know the Lord? And the thing is, when they turn to that, there's a supernatural thing about the Lord that can lift people out of their mire and situation. You and I cannot do it, but we can show them the loves of God. Pray, you know, that we use our hands as an extension of God's love. Remember in our promotion that we have, it says, well, some people, all they need is love. It shows Dr. Mike hugging a young child. And it will go a long way. But anyway, he says, this is what the Lord has led me to teach my church and my family. He says, stop, no more buying of luxuries. Cut all spending except absolutely necessities. In other words, he's asking you to do is save up what you have, is what he's saying. Now here's something, he says, sell everything that's unneeded, that you don't need. My wife and I, for example, we have a piece of shahuli glass that we were given as a gift. And I says, we need to go down and have it appraised and maybe sell it. But he says, now be careful what he says. He says, turn it into cash and give it to ministries, to the poor, and to the needy. In other words, you're not saving it up for me, myself, and I, the human trinity, but you're going to help the people that need the help. So it's not just that you put money aside and dig a hole in the ground and bury it so you have something when times get tough. Because really, God says, I will see to those who are faithful. I will see to it that none of those will go without bread or shelter. Now, it could be a shelter of a tent. (laughs) It could be a loaf of bread. (laughs) But he will not go without. That's his promises. Downsize as much as possible. Now, none of us here have to worry about downsizing. I don't think. Okay? I, mean, I think most of us have downsized already. So, But anyway, so we're kind of ahead of the game here. In this ministry, I think we're a little bit ahead of the game because the Lord has put us into that situation where you don't have this, so we don't have to do these things. He's got us ready where He wants us. And it says, according to 1 Timothy 6, 8, be willing to let all of us come to this. It says, having food and raiment, let us be content. Build up your faith by reminding the Lord's daily of His promises. In Thee, O Lord, do I put my trust. Let me not be ashamed. Deliver me in my righteousness. And we just sang a whole bunch of songs that basically told us to trust in the Lord. Jehovah Jireh, He is my provider. He will meet all of my needs. Do we really believe that? Yes. Or do we have a little doubt and faith and unbelief, which the devil will love you to have, and he will tear you apart? Once you allow that little doubt and faith, unbelief to come in, he will tear you apart. And then you won't be able to be used by the Lord because you'll be fighting off the enemy. And he's already defeated, so we shouldn't be fighting the enemy. We should be serving the Lord in faithfulness. Amen. And if we're fighting the enemy every day, It takes us away from reaching out and touching the lives of other people. He's been defeated. Tell him to shut up, close his mouth, 
Yes. <laughs> and go on and do what you got to do. There's some one of my favorite pastors, he says. And this is the prophecy that was given to Dr. Hansen. He says, God is saying that the people of America are guilty of intense pride, intense self-exaltation and self-satisfaction. In all the areas of life in America, including the church, most people filled with pleasing themselves. Anybody know the scripture that that says about that? Hmm. The leaders in America, even the church, for the most part, are filled with self-glorification, self-attainment. The human trinity, me, myself, and I, as long as I am taken care of, I could care less. Remember, though, we have children and we have grandchildren. And if we don't provide a world and a country to which they can grow up with the peace that we have, we are doing a tremendous injustice to the family that God created us to care for. Many of our leaders are not only have a gluttonous appetite for glory and the things of this world, but some are guilty of immorality and amorality. Many church leaders do not know the right from wrong. Many are guilty of other sins. And won't go out. He also says, I must warn you that the persecution of Christians is more common in our generation than ever before in history. And when pastor talked about this at Texas, a lot of people kind of said, what do you mean? We live in America. I mean, the little persecution you have, sometimes pastors, is probably your, your husband or your wife. But very little persecution. But more people have died for their faith in the 20th century than in all centuries combined. Mm. And you can back this up with facts. Voice of the Martyrs. If you don't think you're blessed and you think you've got it made, read the Voice of the Martyrs. And you will be blessed because as people that have gone through some of this persecution torture, the first thing is say, I forgive them and I love them. That's a very hard thing to do. But before Christ returns, the nations are going to come under the plagues of God. Remember, the plagues of Egypt did not touch the people of Israel. They were in Goshen. They were saved. And if they put the blood over the door, the death angel passed over. They did not come under the plagues of God because of their persecution of the seed of Jesus Christ. The news media is brainwashing the populations of the world in accepting the United Nations values and beliefs that are totally contrary to the Judeo-Christian beliefs and values on which America was founded and allowed to prosper. We now face an economic collapse, apocalyptic cries, and nuclear warfare because we have put our faith in man instead of Jesus. David says, It is clear from Scripture that America is now out-sinning, backslidden Israel. Outsend Sodom and Gomorrah. Outsend Noah's violent and wicked society. Malachi also speaks of the day to come, a time of darkness and gloom, when God will humble the proud and the arrogant. And when that day comes, the prophet says, all roots and branches will be totally consumed, meaning there will be nothing left to rebuild upon. Before that point in history, the Lord has never destroyed the roots of recovery completely. But now the prophet says, God will dig up everything and leave them not root, meaning no recovery. Now, I've talked to family members and other people that, well, you know, we've always gone through tough times. We've always gone through financial problems. But America, we, we always solve the problems. Malachi is saying there's a coming a time when the root will be destroyed. And when we destroy the root, it cannot grow. 
Right now, the day of reckoning has come upon America and the world. All the branches of government, including the federal banks, the financial institutions, will see crashing and burning of our economy. The old established corporations, Ford, General Motors, General Electric, the old established corporations, the old age institutions rooted in our society will be affected with no visible way of recovery. Even the secular world sees that America is headed for hard times, and the recent issue of The Economist shows the Statue of Liberty dejected with her hands in her face, her flame laying on the ground. And the headline reads, Unhappy America. We have been greedy for so long, it has caught up with us. It is too late. The slide is on. America is in a horrible mood. We are slouching towards Sodom and Gomorrah. The economy is tottering. The world is cooking. Ten years ago, how many read the book Last Call of America by David Wilkerson? Good book. He said when he wrote that book, he was ridiculed and called a doomed day's preacher. Pastor in 2008, when he gave the prophecy, the warning for America, the economy was doing great. And he was forecasting a economic collapse, social security collapse, nuclear biological warfare, and everybody ridiculed and laughed at that. And today, the government is saying, hey, these things are happening, and they will happen. So it's coming to pass. Recently, he said, our ministry's phone started ringing off the hook for the orders of his book that he wrote back then. You may say, things are different in America. Our economy will always right itself. There have always been problems like this before, and the recovery always follows. It may take five years, but all will be restored. Yes, but what if Malachi's word is true? That's kind of, you know, what if Malachi's word is true? I mean, it is the Bible, right? It's probably true, otherwise it wouldn't be in the Bible, right? <laughs> so basically saying Malachi's word is true, <laughs> even though he puts it, what if? What if Malachi's word is true? What if all the roots of recovery are scorched to the lowest point beyond any hope of recovery? And we're going to get into the overcoming church. That's bad news. It's interesting, just to get a sideline here, if you've been watching, I usually don't watch television, but I was down with my daughters and on a little vacation, and so they have cable, so I was able to watch Fox News and CNN, and all they were talking about is either the debate that was coming up and or the economy because of the vote. And everybody is talking there, basically is trying to say, well, we need to provide credit. If we don't have credit, if the banks don't have credit, if businesses don't have credit, if you don't have credit, you can't go down and buy a car. You cannot go and borrow money to buy new homes or to expand your business. Now, that's a true statement. Because our world, since 1913, has become established on debt and credit and not on money in your pocket. I mean, I remember it used to be when you build a church, you got the money, the people came, gave their labor, you built the church. Matter of fact, you could build a church in about two days. <laughs> Back in those days, we didn't have to worry about the housing codes and a few other things like that, but you could build a church. But people did not borrow money. That was not part of the system. That is a modern-day banking system. And now have themselves in trouble because they got everybody involved in this idea. If you want to have everything now, if you just got married and you want to have a home, there's no way you probably have enough income to buy a home. You're going to have to buy it on credit. So what they're saying is, with this credit market the way it is, if we don't solve the credit problem, America will be toast. 
Matter of fact, I didn't vote on it a week ago Sunday. The economy collapsed. Did the economy collapse? Yeah. Good near, I think so. But it didn't really collapse, though. Yeah, it went completely down. If they wouldn't have voted in the legislature... Okay, but see, that hasn't passed yet. That's what I'm getting at. Oh. See, that hasn't passed yet. Yes. See what I'm getting at? It passed. It passed yesterday, but it was a week later. It was a week later, and they were trying to force the House to vote on it a week ago. And they're saying, if we don't vote on it now, it's going to totally destroy itself. In other words, like surgery. Doctor comes in and says, you got to have surgery. You're going to well, you're gonna die if you don't. <laughs> you're going to die? I don't know, but you got to have surgery. Because, well, am I die? No, no, you just got to have surgery because if not, you will die, but you got to have surgery. Now, well, no, normally that's not the case. Right. Unless you've just been in a terrific car accident, you know, and you're bleeding to death. But under normal circumstances, it doesn't have to be done. Now, you got time to think it through. Mm-hmm. Okay? But see, they're basing everything now on credit. So now everybody's got credit. You're going to watch the stock market go up. But what are they doing? They're doing the same thing that brought the problem on. Digging the hole deeper. They're just adding to it. They're taking away. The root's been destroyed. The base of money has been destroyed. Everything is debt and credit. So the root is destroyed. That's why I think Malachi, in what we're saying now, and David's saying, it's over. And Dr. Hess said, it's over. It is now just a matter of time. Because we've destroyed the root, is another way to put it. So it will happen. We've destroyed the root. Now, John F. Kennedy tried to reestablish the gold and silver based on the American economy. And, of course, they took him out. And Lincoln tried it, and they took him out. And there's others have tried it, they've taken him out. Because they don't want to lose that. But what happens is, is they've destroyed the root. And when you destroy the root, you will not have fruit. It's that simple. For the overcoming church, there is a different prophecy, a glorious one. For the God's people, the message is not one of gloom, but of gladness. When darkness covers the earth, and when men's hearts fail them for fear over all the dreadful things happening, we are told that in the moment the Son of Righteousness shall arise with healing in his wings. Malachi 4.2 In the darkest hour, when things look hopeless... Now, how many have ever been there where things look absolutely hopeless? The Lord comes through for His people. When there is fear on all sides, and by the way, everybody's going to have fear if they're human beings. Okay? Now, we're told not to have fear, but we can overcome the fear. So if Jesus says you can overcome your fear, doesn't that assume that you are going to have fear? Because you have to, if you don't have it, why do you have to overcome it? So if you have to overcome the fear, that means, folks, you're going to have fear. But you can overcome the fear. That's the good news. We don't want to dwell upon the circumstance. We don't want to dwell upon those things that bring the fear, because you can overcome the fear. And God says, I will see it to it. So in the darkest hours, when things look hopeless, when there is fear on all sides... Jesus is going to rise in a greater revelation than any time in history. And the world is going to witness his saving and keeping power in all his glory. Why are things happening in sequence that we see? God is coming up so that he can show his power and his glory. When you are at your wit's end with nothing, no hope, and he can come in and give you that hope, he probably would have never given it to you if you were sitting back and said, I don't need the Lord. 
America is in a position, and many people, you and I know, including myself, we could sit back and say, why do I need the Lord? I've got a nice house. I've got a nice piece of property. I've got a pension. I've got an income. I don't even have to work. I mean, I've got it made because I chose a good occupation. But who gave me the health? Who gave me the brains? Who opened the doors for me to have that? The Lord put me there for a reason mm-hmm. to be able to use the money for His honor and glory. Mm-hmm. But I could say it's me and not give God the glory. And if it's what happened in America, we're no longer giving God the glory. We don't need you, God. Get out of our schools. Get out of our homes. Get out of our government. We can handle it ourselves. God says, yeah, you sure can. But just wait. <laughs> I will bring you down. So now we're getting to the point to where God can come to us here in America and in Kenya, if we allow Him to show His mighty power in saving us. There is a hope. But if you talk to Pastor Hansen and you talk to Pastor Wilkinson, they will say, it's not going to happen. Right. We've gone too far. It will not happen. And God's going to have to come in to change the hearts and the minds of the people, yeah. to bring them to their knees so that they can repent. Now, there's two choices going to happen when these things happen. Because you don't you have two choices. Shake your fist at God and say, why God? We were so faithful. We did so much. Or you can say, I repent, Lord. I screwed up. We're going to have two choices. And there's going to be many that are going to shake their fist at God. But there are going to be those who are going to repent. And there's going to come the revival in the hearts of people. Just before you came, I was trying to look for the book that he had talked about, but I found this book. This is another one of David's book, God's Plan to Protect the People in the Coming Depression. Now, this was written back in 1998. Interesting year. Yeah. Just look, that's an interesting year. Yeah. And for Linda, I mean, Dr. Hansen's prophecy was to warn America from 1998 to 2008. Huh. In this book, he wrote, this is David Wilkinson's book, is written in 1990. I just happened to look at that. I've got a couple little pages marked in here. The only trustworthy preparations are those for the heart and not the body. If you love the Lord, this is where preparation begins. How do we prepare for the times that are coming? And it says, if you love the Lord, this is where you begin, in the heart. The subject of preparation is primarily a spiritual matter, and only secondary one of bodily or material concern. If your heart is not right with the Lord, all your preparations to protect your body will be in vain. Get secured under the blood. Be ready to go at any time. You're going to have to learn to trust me, says the Lord, to cast your welfare and your future completely in my hands. And that's what he talked to Israel and the disciples. Many believers have put their eternal destiny into the Lord's hands. Now, many believers have put their eternal destiny into the Lord's hands. In other words, your heavenly home that he's gone to prepare for you, the man said, we put our destiny in him. Now we don't have a problem with it. Most Christians will accept that. I put my life, my eternal destiny is in the hands of the Lord. But not all have done so with their earthly destiny. A little bit different there. But I assure you, if you're making spiritual preparations, if you're getting your heart in order, dealing with sin, and what does a prophet do? If you travel with Dr. Hansen, I mean, before he prays for people for healing a miracle or anything, I mean, it's basically... Dealing with the sin, the sin of the individual, the sin of the church, the sin 
of the government, the sin of the nation. That's what they deal with. Getting your heart right with God. Now, if we don't do that, God will have to come and do something to get us to do it. Now, wouldn't it be a lot easier if you just say now when things are good, yes, Lord, get my health in order. Don't bring me to that part. I mean, for parents and grandparents, you know, have to pray that prayer. Lord, whatever you got to do to my son or my daughter or my granddaughter, if you've got to bring them to the bottom of knees, whatever it is, do it. That is a hard prayer. It's a lot easier to pray, Lord, just, just yeah. let them come and know the Lord. Give the life to the Lord. You know, I mean, it's neat. I mean, that's, that's the way you'd like it to be. But sometimes the Lord says it doesn't work that way. Sometimes you have to bring them to their knees. Okay, I assure you that making spiritual preparations, getting your heart in order, dealing with sin, calling on the Lord with greater intensity, trusting in His Word, building up your faith, and getting yourself ready for anything. Now this is the preparation. Most people ask us when, when we're down in Texas, ask the prophet, how do we prepare? You know the thing they were talking about? Where should I invest? Should I pull my money out of the stock market? Should I buy gold or silver? Should I dig a hole in the ground and bury it? I mean, should I go spend it? Give it away? I mean, these are questions, well, not too many people said that. <laughs> you know, like he said, give it to give it to the ministries and give it to the poor, give it to the hungry. Do what God says, feed my people. Okay. But this was the biggest concern, or how am I going to pay my mortgage? Should I sell my home and buy a smaller home? I mean, these are the, but it was all worldly kind of things that really get to them. Now, I'm not judging their heart, because their heart may be right, and they want to know the best way to use their finances that they've been blessed with for God's kingdom. So, don't get me wrong, you know, if I'm coming against something that someone's doing, because we saw that happen. We saw that literally unfold, where a person did exactly what I read, and they did that. Okay, but we think more about our physical well-being. And the Lord says first... Seek the kingdom of God. And so that's what we need to do, is seek that kingdom of God. And by getting yourself ready to face anything, no matter what happens, and God has made a covenant to keep and protect those who love Him, there is no source of strength outside the presence of the Lord. Sometimes, when things aren't going, we shrug our shoulders and say, quote, all we can do is to trust in the Lord and try to make it through the best we can, there's nothing more than we can do, unquote. We've heard that statement. May have said it. But there is something we can do. We don't have to sit back here and say, ah, Lord, come, you know. I'm just waiting for you to come, sit on top of the mountain. I mean, I go out and sit on top of this house and wait for the Lord to come, and uh, I'm going to get hungry. And cold. And cold. Right? There's something you have to do. I mean... There's always, God always says, if, then this will happen. If you do this, this. If you obey my commandments, this. If you don't obey my commandments, this. There's nothing to do. I just sit back and just let the Lord do what He wants to do in my life. I'll just let the Holy Spirit fill me with His love. There's nothing wrong with that. But God called us more to be selfish. He called us to actually use what He blesses us with to bless others. Otherwise, why are we here? Mm-hmm. Why are we here? But there's something you can do. And there's a preparation that you should be doing right now. We can start building up our faith and our spiritual strength. And there's only one way to do that, and that's to spend 
your time in the presence of the Lord. God forgive me because I do not do enough of it. Okay? And I think I could probably look at everyone in here and basically say the same thing. We get so wrapped up in what we're doing. You know, you, you sometimes wonder, if I would spend a little bit more time with the Lord, would things in the day go a lot better for me? Yeah. Than me just trying, well, i got to get it off, and i got to get this done, i got to get this done, mm-hmm. instead of saying, spend some time with the Lord, and then go to office and let it happen twice as fast, mm-hmm. and everything goes smoothly, mm-hmm. even, you know, so mm-hmm. it's a thought. In the midst of the storm, you won't be able to make it. Now, here's something for young people. Okay, for us to. In the midst of the storm, you won't be able to make it on the strength of anyone else. Not on your mate, not on your pastor, not on your friend, and not on a prophet. We will not make it just because we are in a ministry with a prophet, a man of God. It's not past, it's not our prophet, it's you, your individual. Not on your mom and your dad. When the Lord judged Israel, the people thought they could run to the prophets to save them. But God told them, though these three men, Daniel, Noah, Job, were in it, they should deliver their own souls by their righteousness, says the Lord. Ezekiel 14.14 God's warning to Israel was, even these godly men had only enough righteousness to deliver themselves. Not even the most righteous person today has enough righteousness to save you. It's your righteousness. It's your relationship with the Lord. No one else has enough faith to carry you. You have to carry it on your own faith. It's time has come for us to get alone with Jesus, to seek His face and developing a loving relationship with Him in prayer. And then the Lord says, He will renew your strength and shall mount up on wings of an eagle. And so you should run and not be weary that you shall walk and faint not. Malachi 4.2 talks about you will go forth leaping as calves released from a stall. Now, talking about little calves inside a barn, inside a store with a locked door, you know. You're inside it. You run around, 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 go around the block. <laughs> round, around, around the block. You go inside, but you're not released to get out. You're just inside your stall. He says, what an incredible word to people of God in these last days. Malachi pictures people, believers, as calves. Now, believers, that's you and I, as calves confined in a stall. The Hebrew root word for stall is, means you're all tied up, circling around and around. Have you ever seen Christy calves locked up in a stall? They go in circles, kicking, <laughs> making noise. You get the picture what Malachi is, is giving us? Mm-hmm. Satan has succeeded in locking up a multitude of believers in their tiny little stalls. Running around around kicking, but you're not really accomplishing anything. He has kept them locked out of God's green pastures, away from his cool, refreshing waters. Consider this. Some Christians are confined in what's called a stall of hopelessness. They get toe wrapped up in their hopeless situation. And they're not stepping out of the stall. Believers get bored to death, getting up every day only to circle around and around and around the tiny little world. They're tied up in a spirit of bondage, of self, materialism, their own needs, 
without a drop of joy. Some Christians are locked up with a stall of bitterness. The Bible says bitterness is a deadly poison. If you have a root of bitterness, if you have any racial animosity, any unforgiveness, any righteous grudge, you are in bondage of iniquity. And I really believe forgiveness sometimes causes bitterness and it also causes physical illness. You get so bound up. Unforgiveness, I'm sorry. Okay, unforgiveness. If you remain in this bondage and not come out of it and give up the bitterness and do the forgiveness, you'll probably remain in the stall. And then he goes on to say, Dear Saint, I urge you, do not go another day satisfied with the way things are. The Lord gives His Holy Spirit to those who ask. Have you seen any scripture, read any scripture, says the Lord just jumps in, the Holy Spirit jumps in your life? Or does He says, ask for the gifts of the Spirit. Ask for the fruit of the Spirit. Ask. And I don't think how many times Dr. Hansen in our men's prayer it says, you know, lay hands in yourself and ask the Lord to give you the strength and whatever to do what you got to do. And it's amazing that if you do that and the Lord grants you to have that, mm-hmm. He can give you an occupation gifts that you never thought you'd even have mm-hmm. to accomplish what you got to do. Mm-hmm. He can do that if He desires you to do it. But first you're going to have to ask, but He's not going to give it to you. So, the pastor says, you got to lay hands on yourself. And sometimes, my thoughts are, yeah, I don't want to lay hands on myself because I don't want to do that. <laughs> you know what? The Lord honors that. <laughs> the Lord honors that. Well, that's fine. If you don't want to do it, that's fine. I'm not going to give it to you unless you ask for it and you're willing to do it. Or, yeah, but if I lay hands, then I'm going to have to become that person with all the knowledge in that area well, the Lord can give it to you if He wants. If that's what He wants you to do, He'll give it to you. Uh, Bob Toombs was a man that we knew from another church. He's probably one of the most brilliant men that I've met. And he was just a normal student in college, but this guy is a genius. Overnight, the Lord gave him gift. Yeah, he, he works in a little black box at Boeing. He's kind of the man that invented the camera from outer space that takes pictures of your eyeball. And that's the type of stuff this guy does. I mean, just amazing man. But that was all because the Lord, he laid hands up and the Lord gave it to him. He didn't have the capacity. Well, he had the capacity. We all have the capacity. What do they say? We got 2% of our brain that we use. I think mine's down about half a percent, but I don't know what it is right now. So. I guess I'm going to have to do what Dr. Ann says, lay hands on yourself and see what the Lord can do. I, I challenge us. We need to do that. To lay hands on us and say, Lord, use me. And maybe he'll give you that gift that you need. The Lord gives the Holy Spirit to those who ask. And your release must come by faith. When God promises, you will go forth leaping as calves released from the stall. It means more than just release from confinement. When He opens the gate of our stalls, we are going to emerge from it leaping with joy. Man, can you see a little lamb or a little calf when you open up that door? Ask Abbaselli when you open up that when you open up that little pen he's got in. Oh, I mean, he is out there running and going as fast as he can go. 
And he never gets tired because he knows he's got to go back into the stall. So, you know, if you want to see an example, just take of amicelli and you release that amicelli. I'll tell you what, there's joy and happiness. And when he opens the gate of a stall, we are going to emerge leaping with joy. We will no longer have a cloud of gloom hanging over us, but we will be released to walk in hope and freedom and abundant life. In these days of uncertainty and gloom, the testimony of God's power will be with those who have been released from their stalls. They will be seen rejoicing to see the sun rising, that's Jesus Christ rising, and God's eternal promise to his people will be evident to all. The Holy Spirit is given only to those who ask. Pray for the Holy Spirit to bring back your fire and to renew your faith to draw closer to his heart. Pray for the Holy Ghost to bring back your fire. Because I think there's a flame in all of us. It just hasn't been fanned into a fire. Some of us are getting fanned a little faster than others. And maybe some of us are afraid that if we really light our fire, (laughs) we'd be dangerous to people. But a Christian should be dangerous. We should be dangerous to the enemy. We should be dangerous to the enemy. That fire should touch them and burn them and change them. What is gold like when it comes out of the ground? Anybody seen gold come out of the ground? Dirty. Full of contaminants. And then what happens to it? They put it under the fire. They refine it. We've sung the song. How many times we sing the song? Refiner's fire. How many do you want us to go into the fire? But if we want to be refined into the pure gold and pure vessel of the Lord, we're going to have to be refined. Because we have a human nature that is sinful. So anyway, pray for the Holy Ghost to bring back your fire. To renew your faith and draw closer to his heart. But we can have the discernment not to be taken in by all the heresies that are out there. I think one of my prayers, probably my biggest prayer is, and I say it's the best prayer, one of my prayers is that I can have discernment. I really don't have the discernment I need sometimes. And so I pray for discernment because it's so needful now. But when you do this, the joy is the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Now, all you that worship that didn't sing today, if there were any like those in here, I mean, we didn't raise the roof off the house, so I think we could have probably sung a little bit better. Anyway, I watch a lot of you watching Karen lead the worship, and I think you were touched by her worship. Now, we should be able to turn around and look at you and see the same joy, right? Amen. Amen. So, uh, maybe what you need to do is go at home. You know, people used to go in the shower and sing because nobody hear them, right? But you do, you go, you go behind, you go in the room, and everybody usually has a big mirror. And stand in front of the mirror and raise your hands and praise and worship and see what it looks like. And, and, and just don't, if you stand in the mirror and don't do it, you're not getting too excited. And if you don't get too excited, I'm sure the Lord's not going to get too excited. So, so I remember when you see Karen, at Cedar Park, I was known as the husband of the lady up there that praises the Lord. They didn't know my name, they didn't know her, but they just watched her. And they missed her when she was in the choir. Let me just tell you this thing. I know that sometimes when she went to church, she was not in the mood to worship. Okay? She did anyway. There's a lot of times we go to church, we're not in the mood to worship. Mm-hmm. There's times in your day, in your privacy of your own day, that you're not in the mood to worship. But if you're down in the dumps, your pastors are good at telling people what to do. So I keep saying these things. I says, you know, you haven't done anything. 
So, okay, just I'm a human, okay. But you know, I tell people, and this one lady in the phone is so funny. I wish I could remember her name. I haven't, she hadn't called for a long time, but she called in, she was depressed. She was down in the dumps. So, I finally said, well, let's start just praising the Lord. So, we start singing, praise the Lord. She was just going on. I just hung up the telephone. <laughs> she was in her own world, praising the Lord. And she called me back the other day and said, Oh, I'm so blessed. I'm so happy. <laughs> but it works. It works. When you're depressed and down in the dumps, now you may have to have someone help you out. Because you can't get to that point where you can't help yourself out. But, you know, before you get to that stage, <laughs> you know, say, Hey, I think I need to praise the Lord. How do you praise the Lord? Just open up your mouth and say something. Okay? And you'd be surprised. You may even open up and hear some strange words coming out of your mouth, and that's called the gift of tongues, okay? For self-edification. Uh, the Lord will bless you with that if you don't have it. But anyway, open up your mouth and sing. As God's people, we must sing aloud. Make a joyful noise unto the Lord. Now, in most places, if you don't sing on key, people will kind of look at you like, shut up. That is a very bad attitude. If you're a good singer, or someone is a good singer, the worship leader probably won't get too disturbed by it. Now, in our particular case, we don't have a piano in here. We don't have the beat and all that. So Karen does a fantastic job of leading worship. I praise the Lord for her, because it's very difficult to do it without the music. And she has never been trained as a worship leader. But once again, we must sing aloud. That means you have to move your lips. For those that don't move your lips, okay? Let the words come out and make a joyful noise to the Lord. Now, by the way, the Lord does love a beautiful symphony orchestra. Okay? I have not heard this, but Pastor's heard it, and he's telling it. Well, one day he heard this beautiful orchestra. I think it's Pastor. Somebody know. Oh, he, they heard the angels singing. They heard the angels they, singing. They heard the heavenly choir. And they turned around and looked, and <laughs> there was nobody there, but this beautiful angelic wow. choir was singing. And this is where Pastor would like all of us to have the opportunity to be at a function where the Lord comes in that type of a fashion. Yes. Mm -hmm. Where you turn around and look and you hear this beautiful, beautiful music and it's just coming from the air. Mm -hmm. That'd be awesome. It is. It does happen. And we're going to see, I think we're going to see more of it as times get more. We're going to start seeing more because the Lord's going to encourage you. He's going to strengthen us. He's going to let His angels kind of start coming around and we may even see them from time to time. We know they're there to make that manifestation. And so make a joyful noise unto the Lord. We must praise Him whether we feel like doing it or not. Because Scripture says God dwells in the midst of His praises. And I can say I've seen this, I've seen people blessed because they just worship the Lord. Now you may see someone worship in a little bit different fashion that you like. But if the Lord's doing it, we'll let them worship. We'll let them do their thing. We're not judging them. No. We're not judging them. God is judging them. So we must sing aloud and make a joyful noise to the Lord. We must praise Him, whether we feel like it or not. Listen again to Malachi. Quote, you shall tread down the wicked, for they shall be ashes under the soles of your feet. In the day that I shall do this, says the Lord of hosts, Malachi 
The moment you accept your release and you step out of the confinement by faith, step out of the boat. I think we had someone I know that spoke a good message on stepping out of the boat. And by the way, I've asked Jeannie to repeat her message since we were such a small group. And I think the message she had, we all need to hear it. So she has volunteered and pushed me hard. When Pastor and I am gone, she will do that again. The moment you accept your release, now when the gate opens up, does that dog, if you want to use Amicelli, he's not going to have the freedom unless he steps out of the pen. In other words, there's a thing. Just because the door is open, you know, some people have been so confined that they're afraid to step out because of what's going to happen when they step out in that world. And they've done this with the animals and there's, they, they want to get right back into the cage. But anyway, you have to step out of your confinement by faith and then you will put the devil to flight. Demons will flee. Is there a song that says the demons have to flee? Mm-hmm. Yeah. We can we sing sing it. In the name of Jesus. You know, we could probably make a sermon out of our songs. I'm going to do that one day. Just go with the words of some songs. I mean, tremendous messages in those things. Tremendous yeah. messages. Demons will flee. No matter what news the world brings, no matter what afflictions or troubles come, God's word remains true. You can have receive a fresh and filling of the Holy Spirit, leaping as a cat from the stall. And then he goes on to talk about some words of promises which are in the Bible. No matter what the news the world brings, no matter what afflictions or troubles come, God's word remains true. One thing I learned this week by watching television, if you sit there and watch that thing so long, instead of spending time in the word, because everything they're saying is going to happen. We know it's going to happen. The Bible told us it's going to happen. We should not be like the thief in the night. <laughs> when God comes as thief in the night, we should not be surprised by anything. We should not be surprised by earthquakes, floods, tornadoes, hurricanes, economic collapse, banks going under, money being devalued. We should not be... So if we sit there and fill our minds with that all day long, we all of a sudden, we start saying, Ugh, ooh, how am I going to get through this? Until it's to go to the Lord daily, Lord... Today, whatever you do, let me see me through whatever happens. Don't let me become depressed, but let me keep my eyes on you. Let me keep focused on you. And no matter what happens around me, I'm with you. And what's the worst thing can happen? You can die and go to heaven. It will be a small period of time that that death takes place. Very short time in eternity. But that's the worst thing that can happen. And if you're dead to Christ, Christ is living in you. You get to go home early. <laughs> and you leave the rest of us back there to fight the battle. But you know, it's going to be fun to be in the battle. I really think. I think it's going to be fun to battle. Mm-hmm. Hopefully you enjoy being part of this ministry because even though we're not the man that's facing the front lines, okay? Dr. Hansen is in the front lines. But we're back there behind him or with him. I'd like to say we're with him, okay? And we can, if you can't be there physically... You can certainly be with a prayer. And I do believe that we need to be a little bit more time in prayer. If you've got some idle moments during the day, you're bored and you don't know what to do, okay? Instead of twiddling your thumbs, going out and grabbing a diving down to Starbucks, have a cup of coffee, spend the time and pray for Pastor. Pray for this ministry. Pray for everyone in this ministry. Because the enemy's not going to take out Pastor. I'll guarantee you that. He's going to try, but he's, he's tried many times. He's having a hard time 
But he may try to start taking out us. That's right. Because Pastor loves each and every one in here. I'll guarantee you that. He's concerned about each and every one. He may not show it, but he does. And he knows the value of each and every one in this ministry. And so, if the enemy can take one of us out, it hurts him. Because it takes him away from doing what he wants. So, what the enemy likes to do, and this is his key, is to take you out of the battle. Because if he takes you out of the battle, then the people that love you are concerned about you. It kind of takes them out of the battle. And when you have a human love, which is a spiritual love as well, for anyone that you're associated with, you're going to want to help that person. Mm-hmm. pastor was concerned about April mm-hmm. when we were in Texas. He was concerned about it. Mm-hmm. But it takes time away from him because he's praying for you. But that's what he's called to do as well. But you see what I'm trying to say? Mm-hmm. So we don't want to allow the enemy to take mm-hmm. any of us out. Mm-hmm. So we need to, as pastors, guard your heart. Guard your heart so that we don't allow the enemy to use us. And we've seen that in this ministry. And God has restored these that we're talking about. God has restored everyone. If anyone's come back to repentance, God has restored. But God will try to use us. I, I mean, I know there's times in my days, hey, that, you know, I say, oh, no, Pastor. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's normal. But that's the enemy trying to destroy a relationship. You have to sit back and say, whoa, you know, he's my authority. I'm going to operate with him. I've been called to this ministry to work with him. But I thought I was be doing something different. I must admit that when I got called to this ministry. But if the Lord puts you into a situation, he probably has the ability to give you what you need. Now, if you don't believe that, you might as well pack your bags and leave. Okay? But the Lord's given each and every one of us. And he's going to use us. Right now, I think we know that each one of us has our own story. You know how the, how the enemy is trying to attack each of us from time to time. Just understand where the attack is coming from. It's coming from the enemy. It's coming from the enemy. God says, I will be with you. I will see you through if you continue to believe and be faithful. And we're going to see wonderful things happen if we stay faithful. I will guarantee you that. But if you walk away too early in the battle, you won't see the victory. Who sees the victory? Those who fight the battle. Those are the ones that get the greatest joy. Mm -hmm. Now, other people can live off your joy, but that's not going to make them happy. You want to have that joy when that gate opens up and you've got to walk out the gate and go out and eat the green pastures and enjoy what the Lord will do with you and for you and through you. Don't let the enemy destroy your roots, which is the Word of God. Our root is the Word of God. So as long as we keep that root strong, keep it watered, keep it nourished by reading it, our roots will be strong, and we will bear fruit. You will bear fruit. And we can withstand enemy's attacks. Amen. Okay. You know, a thought that came to me as you were talking about giving, you know, singing a, a joyful song, a joyful mm-hmm. noise. About 10, 15 years ago, you know, close to it, I was at Charles and Francis Hunters, the Happy Hunters. They were in Tacoma, in a place called Executive Vision Fife. And 
there was a period of time there where there's about 5,000 people in multiple like banquet rooms and stuff. They opened up all the doors. And, and it was interesting because everybody started praying in the Spirit. Mm. And after about four or five minutes of that, everybody began here and there, they began to sing in the Spirit. Mm-hmm. And for about probably eight or ten minutes, it was the coolest sound I ever heard. I could just imagine what the heavenly chorus must sound like. <laughs> I mean, after about five minutes, I, I stopped singing just to listen to it. Mm-hmm. It was the most beautiful chorus of just mixed tones. Wow. and it was, it was awesome. I mean, it was just, man, it was just spectacular. I've, I've never heard a sound like it before or since. And so I guess I say that to just maybe challenge each person here to spend time whether it's alone or, or corporately, you know, to sing in the Spirit, not just pray in the Spirit. Because I think that bears fruit of its own. I will agree with that. that Me too. There's many times that when you sing in the Spirit, the words flow, the notes flow. Because once again, it's, it's, not, totally your, it's not something you're doing. It's, it's something that the Holy Spirit is filling in. Yeah. Yeah. And it is, it is true. Usually it's a, it's a beautiful orchestra. So I, I've never been in a big group like that, but I have been in smaller groups where that happened. And at first it starts out kind of gibberish. gibberish a little bit, but all of a sudden the conductor, well, you can, the orchestra leader, you, you comes in the and starts to harmonize it all. The room. Yeah. And, it, and boy, there were signs and wonders all night long. I mean, the power of God was just tremendous there. It was awesome. That's what we all, yeah, everybody needs to experience it once in a while, something like that. So it's yeah. good. Reverend Dr. Jonathan Hansen has written a book titled The Science of Judgment. God is predictable. There is a scientific pattern for the rise and fall of nations throughout history. We need to understand the laws or the rules of design regarding prophecy and judgment. When it comes to the laws of judgment and prophecy, denominational or personal belief systems have nothing to do with the reality or the certainty of the rule of judgment. Dr. Hansen's objective is to warn leaders of nations of the second coming of Jesus Christ and the plagues or judgments that are coming upon these peoples and nations that reject Jesus Christ as Savior according to the Scriptures. Dr. Ronald E. Cottle, founder and president of Christian Life School of Theology, states that this book is a must-read for Christians and other leaders in the United States and in other nations. It is clear, powerful, and well-reasoned. We all owe a debt of gratitude to Dr. Jonathan Hansen for the years that have gone into the research and writing of the science of judgment. This book has more than 300 pages, divided up in five sections. Part 1, The Science of Judgment, has chapters titled such as The Laws Regarding Prophecy and Judgment, Patterns of Apostasy, Purpose of Chastisement, Standards for Justice and Mercy, God Forgives When People Repent, God Holds Nations Responsible for What Leaders Do, Parental Responsibility, The Feasts of the Lord, Solomon's Transgressions and Their Consequences, Righteous Kings versus Evil Kings, Example of King Jehoshaphat, Ungodly Alliances, God is Predictable, God Holds People Accountable, Man Can Turn into an Intelligent Beast to Do Evil. Section 2, The Deception of the Theory of Evolution, has chapters titled as Problems with the Theory of Evolution, Evolution and Racism, Darwin's Hatred of Christianity and its Fruit. Section 3, Why Must There Be Judgment, has titles such as The Fall of America and Her Destruction, Cult Christianity, Radical Liberal Politics. Section 4, Kings, Dictators, and Presidents, with the following chapters listed as People Choose Their Nation's Leaders, Qualifications for Godly Leadership, Romans 13, 
delegated authority. Satan is in charge of this world, not Jesus. If laws violate conscience, we must disobey. Finally, part five, so what must we do? These chapters are listed as, we are in a cultural war, our responsibility to a hostile government, the Christian's science of judgment. With turmoil ever increasing throughout the nations as Bible prophecy is coming to life right before our very eyes, one must read the science of judgment to have a clear understanding of these events and the reasons why. Call 360-629-5248, 360-629-5248, that is 360-629-5248, and request your copy of The Science of Judgment for a donation of $35 or more, plus shipping and handling. Thank you, and shalom. We encourage you to visit worldministries.org, that is worldministries.org, and click on the link for Eagle Saving Nations. America needs the power of God once again in another great awakening to save us from global tyranny. Read Dr. Hansen's articles that are linked on that page. And then subscribe to Eagle Saving Nations in whatever capacity you can afford to do so to help facilitate meetings in churches, municipal halls, and stadiums to equip the saints with the Holy Spirit power of God to go forth and proclaim the truth of God to our nation and restore the godly Judeo-Christian ethics and morals back to our land. Again, go to worldministries.org, worldministries.org, click on Eagle Saving Nations, and subscribe today. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this episode of Warning Radio with Dr. Jonathan Hansen, founder and president of World Ministries International. Warning Radio is a listener-supported program. We need your donations in order to continue airing these Christ-centered prophetic programs. Send your checks or money orders to World Ministries International, Post Office Box 277, Stanwood, Washington, 98292. To donate securely by phone, call 360-629-5248. Visit our website to find other ways of giving and a wealth of information about World Ministries International and host Dr. Jonathan Hansen. The website is worldministries.org. There, you'll also have access to hundreds of previously aired radio programs, made-for-television videos, thousands of articles, Dr. Hansen's books, and travel itinerary. Again, the website is worldministries.org. The phone number is 360-629-5248. Remember, the Lord is not slow about the promise of His return, as some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing for any to perish, but for everyone to come to the repentance that leads to eternal life.